hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Paint and Page. Today we're joined by um, a very knowledgeable chap called Gary, and Gary's from Calais. Uh, for those of you on Twitter, um, it's it, your Twitter handle's at Calais Gary, isn't it? Gary. Something like that, Gary yeah. from Calais. I'm going on yeah. LBC. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, Gary is, I suppose, one of the the few doyens that we actually have uh, access to um, to be able to speak about the collection of Militaria. And he's been doing it for quite some time. I'll, I'll let Gary tell his story in, in a moment. The reason why I've asked Gary to come on today is because Gary collects something that's quite, in, I find quite intriguing. Um, it's World War One French medals. Which are awarded completely differently to to the, the Great War medals um, that, would, for example, we have in our family um, from from my great great grandfather, um, no great grandfather, yeah. Um, and, and I think the French did it rather well, did it rather nicely. There's a certain sort of class rather than the British. I think tended to get them in a box and then just handed to them. Gary, welcome. Good morning, uh, Ben. So I'm talking from uh, Seven Valleys in France, which is an area drenched in history, by the way. Our local church uh, on the bells is inscribed in Latin to the Spanish army of Flanders. Please do not remove our gun, our bells for guns, which they had a habit of doing because they were bronze. Um, during the Napoleonic Wars, there was about four local lads went off to fight for Bonaparte. It's a farming community. Most of them stayed with a farm. Um, I've got Agincourt round about 10 kilometres away up the road from me. At the local chateau, which you can't see me pointing to, over to my left, um, was uh, British Army Training Ground. The whole of the Seven Valleys were, were between Montreux-Semir, which is GHQ, and, um, and Haydan, of course, which is a garrison town. Uh, Essex Yeomanry were here. Uh, the Anzacs, the Aussies, were here uh, in our valley uh, from around about late 1916 onwards. And allegedly, allegedly, uh, the young Prince of Wales stayed there for a while as well. Now, I'm talking to you from what was the old Marie and school built in 1857. Uh, and underneath us, right, actually, I'm sitting on top of it at the moment, uh, was the local lockup. Uh, and there's a couple of names inscribed on there as well and that sort of thing. So um, it's an interesting place to be talking from. Now, now Ben's asked me to talk today uh, about French medals and, and why, why I collect them and what I'm doing with them. Um, now, I'm of a certain age. I'm a 1957 vintage, so to speak. Uh, and I started collecting Militaria uh, as it was back in the uh, back in the mid 60s. My dad used to take me down to uh, Brick Lane Sunday Market and I'd see all this fantastic stuff lying around on the floor, stuck up in uh, uh, little frames or all over the stall. And I'd say, oh, I really want to. I really want this stuff, Dad. And Dad would just say, No. That was it. He, he was badly wounded in the Second World War, and uh, he, he was a good lad. Um, but when I was at school, uh, a very good friend of mine, his dad was at Arnhem, Mr. Harrison, uh, and his daughter had married a lad, whose name I won't give because he's probably still out there doing his running around, military running, and um, he introduced me to collecting military. And what happened was I always wanted to get into collecting medals. Now, back then, a trio... 15 trio, and I'm talking about 68, 69, was really what you your intro into collecting. And you'd pay about 10 shillings for one, 50p. And I got into that. Uh, and I was telling Ben earlier, my first 
nice bit of military I was. Uh, I'd been out with Jim. I wanted to buy a German helmet. I had my six pounds, which would have got you one back then. And uh, none of the dealers had one that I wanted. And we popped off at a little uh, collector shop in Leighton Stone. And a guy had a helmet. So how much is that American helmet? And I was only, oh, I would have been about 10. And he looked at me and he went, uh, that's a paratrooper's helmet. I went, oh. So how much is it? He went 11 and 6. Now, I'm not into dealing back then. I, rather than say, I'll give you 10 shillings for it. I said, OK, I, I'll pay that. I still got it. And the reason I'm going to do this until is, is the way medals have gone in many ways as well. Uh, is that para helmet now? It's got the leather cup, leather chin strap, superb liner, original paint finish, sand mixed in the paint. I'd probably get easy three and a half thousand pounds for it. Now, within a year, I bought a six bar Queen South Africa medal to a chap from the Grenadier Guards, all battle bars, bought from Spinks, and I paid six guineas for it. Now, if I was to sell today those two items, the para helmet would be snatched off my hands for over for three thousand pounds. I'd have a cure people. The six bar QSA to the Grenadier Guards would probably be sitting on a dealer's list for months at around about 250, 300 pounds. So I got into collecting Great War medals, and we all know what's happened since then. The prices have gone up and gone up. One point in the 80s, they went down. And then they start to go back up again. And what you're looking at now, you're looking at paying anything, start off price, £65 for a 15 trio. You might be looking at £30, £45 for, for a pair. So moving over to France, I started looking what was available here. Now, I first bought a group back in about 1986. And what had happened was I'd gone with uh, two of my friends, uh, reenactors and collectors, and we'd done this boys' own tour around france doing various battlefields and it was mega yeah um we hired a car it was like going on a road trip it really was uh, and it was 1986 and we started up at ypres and we went from ypres um right the way across to eastern france we we're about four days at verdun we'd done the 1870 stuff we'd done the 1916 we were in about three days on the somme uh and we come back and we were buzzing buzzing you know fantastic um and the local dealer I used to deal with, who's still going, although he does all this stuff on the internet now, he hasn't got a shop anymore, had on his list a framed set of medals, which I've still got hanging on a wall somewhere here, uh, for a chap who had the Verdun medal. And I, I thought, oh, that's nice. You know, I'm buzzed up for Verdun. So I went into, um, I went into his shop, said, can I have a look at it, please? And there it was in a lovely frame, wooden frame, carved wood, with six medals, and it had the Combatant's Cross, had the Victory Medal, the Verdun Medal. Um, it was a group of four in total. Now, he wanted £56 for it, and you didn't see them. It wasn't, oh, can you do any better on it? They were not available in the UK back in the 80s. And I said, OK, I've got it. Uh, and it's to a corporal, a corporal of horse um, in an infantry regiment. So he's mainly dealing with a horse transport. Uh, and I've kept it. Now, what happened was I started to when we started to come over actively um, on holidays in the 90s. And then we bought a holiday home here. So big, like everyone does. And we ended up living here. I started going to the local Brocons. So what I'm going to talk about with Ben is not what the medals are, what they represent and everything else, but collecting them. 
because I used to buy the sort of collector's medal, uh, the collector's book of British medals back in the 70s and the 80s. They were basically all the same book by different authors of a rehash of something like uh, Dorling's uh, Medals and Ribbons. And it lists every British medal, give a description of them, brief little history. And right at the end of it, it would have half a dozen dealers. And that's it. It wasn't about collecting. What I wanted to know was, where were they? What was I expected to pay? What should I be looking out for? So what I want to do is to say to people, really, be hard, be mercenary when you're collecting this stuff. I mean, it's great to be a guardian of it as well. Um, but look at what you're going for, where to get them, and, it, and seriously, what to pay as well. So what do you get? Well, most of the French groups, uh, now the French medals, they were first issued um, back, I mean, you can say the very first ones in theory, of course, you can go back to Bonaparte and the Legion of Honour, which I'm about fifth, oh, I'm about half an hour from Boulogne. And if you drive down to Boulogne between Calais, look to your right, you'll see the big column for Bonaparte. And that's where some of the first Legion of Honour medals were issued. You've got the big column there, they issued some flags there. The army was there getting ready to invade England. Actually, it turned around and went to Prussia. And you can probably follow that link right the way through to World War II. Um, so that was the first, the, the Legion of Honour. The medal still issued today. In fact, my dad's got one. Because being an old veteran, uh, whenever it was back in sort of 2015 or 14, rather, they decided the French government to give all the veterans a, uh, a Legion of Honour. So dad got one just before he died because he was a Normandy veteran. Uh, so it's a prized possession in many ways of mine. Got a nice little letter from the um, uh, from the French ambassador to London as well as a lady. Very, very nice letter. He, he thoroughly enjoyed it. His point was, well, at least we got something, didn't we? Um, now, I started coming over to the Brocantes. Now, what a Brocantes is in France, it's a flea market that every, more or less, a lot of villages have once a year during the summer period. Now, they can be from a dozen stalls in a little village where they're selling basically second-hand clothes, even trainers, don't ask me why, um, up to something like Arras, Amion Rava, that's got over 2,000 stalls, quality military. You still get the ladies selling the second-hand um, everything, but you'll also get serious high-end military as well, and antiques and collectibles. Now, the mega one, the big one, of course, is the one at Lille, which gets over a million visitors. I'd recommend you don't go there because it's absolutely a nightmare. You'll never get to see it all. Um, far too much there. But Arras is a good inn. So in the 90s, we started to go to these Brocons. And then living over here as well. Oh, you know, I can spend every weekend if I'm at home going to about three or four. And what I started to see was these framed diplomas of Great War medals. Now, the point is, you are mainly going to see probably 80% of what you see will be Great War medals in frames with a diploma, with some paperwork as well. You've got to remember, of course, France was a bureaucracy. I still today have to keep 10 years' worth of bank statements in paper. So these lads kept everything. And it's amazing the paperwork that they had to keep and carry around with them as well. And if you're really lucky, you'll get a diploma. And they say, I've got a shoebox of stuff here. And it'll be a wall document. It'll be letters, diaries, photographs, and everything. I have seen that happen. Um, so the other thing we'll come on to later, of course, is what you see on eBay as well. 
So you hit a brick concert, and what are you going to see? Well, the frames therein go from very, very attractive frames uh, with gilding on them, with brasswork on them as well, very nice, um, to right literally down to a couple of old tea chest planks put together to make a frame. And you can imagine them hanging on a wall in a house, little farmhouse in France, where the old Polly is sitting there, you know, like sort of um, a little old veteran looking out the window and he turns around and his medals are on the wall. So for the Great War, what were they issued with? Well, the problem, not problem you get, but what happened was most of the medals themselves, of course, were issued after the war. And they were issued up to the 1920s. Uh, and some of them were still being issued in the 1970s as well. So the runner medals that you get, if you look at the gallantry, you get the Legion of Honour. Now, the Legion of Honour, instigated by, by Bonaparte, very attractive looking wall. You can go on the internet, put the Legion of Honour, and they'll come up. Different classes, officers, knights, chevaliers. Some of them are very, very expensive as well. But on average, for an average Legion of Honour uh, for the Third Empire, uh, which is what you're going to be looking at from the Great War, really don't be expected to pay more than 50 euros for it. Now, some of them are damaged because they're enamel, don't survive very well. I'd even turn around and go, either I don't want it, or I'm, I'll give you 10, 15 euros for it. And I've had that. If you're looking for a Bonaparte period one, you're into the serious money. And of course, there's the differences. They've got the crown on rather than uh, what you get on the later ones, which is just a uh, laurel leaf around it as well. They're issued again under the, uh, when Bonaparte goes, the monarchy come back, that they issued them. You see very nice frame diplomas for those, funny enough. Um, then, of course, they're issued under Louis Napoleon, given to British officers who fought in the crime era as well. Um, that goes on to 1870. Then it changes again. It's issued again up to the Great War, where it's issued through the Great War, World War II, and to today. Now, that's the Legion of Honour. Now, with the Legion of Honour, as I said earlier on, it's still issued today retrospectively. So when you're looking at these things, and what's marvellous, of course, compared to when I started collecting back in the day, and you saw a trio on someone's stall, or someone's little market stall, for all you know, it was 1st of July, casualty to a pals battalion. And it would be tension. You didn't know that. He didn't know that, because there wasn't really a great deal you could do. But now with the power of the internet, recommend we all do of course is there's some very very good french official army sites that list all of the servicemen for the great war including all of their details and photographs of their pay books where they've got them and everything that you can download and it's all free can you imagine that you get a name you type them in you go onto their website it gives you every single if it's on there and i reckon 90 percent are on there and you'll see a, 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 an image of his paybook, and their paybook detailed every single action they were in. Marvellous stuff. And their citations as well. Um, if they died, it doesn't just say he died. It will say shot in the head by a German. You actually will get uh, a more or less a death certificate with it as well. All downloadable. You've also got a, a separate site for the dead of France. Gives you more details. And there's a cracking site, still quite rudimentary, for the Legion of Honour. Now, that's quite important because if you see a medal group with a Legion of Honour and you look at it and you can work out what his name is, come on to that later, oh, he's got a Legion of Honour. If you put his name into the Legion of Honour site and it comes up, it tells you when it was awarded, which is important in many ways. And that's the ones that French collectors will go for 
because if it's an immediate award issued in 1916, it's going to be more sought after rather than one retrospectively issued in the 1960s, 70s, when they're coming up for the anniversaries of the Great War. And on the nice diploma, it will say, issued to an old soldier of the 84th Regiment of the Line. So that's one thing to look at as well. Uh, and, and the parody internet, of course. So the next one further down, you've got the leak, uh, you've got the Quad uh, de Guerre. Now you see, if you watch Blackadder, uh, you see the officers got the Quad de Guerre up as well. Of course, it was issued to the British um, as well, officers, same as we issued medals uh, off to the French as well uh, in certain amounts. Now the Quad de Guerre uh, was instituted during the Great War, went right the way through. Uh, you see, it's a lads in Indochina. It's probably the equivalent, I would say, in many ways, of an MIC, uh, an MID, rather, m m mentioned in dispatches. Now, the, what, the weird thing is with that, uh, for the pilots, every time they shot down an aircraft or they got mentioned, they got another quad of gear. Because what it was, it meant you were mentioned, there were various phases for you for being mentioned in battalion orders, divisional orders, Army Corps orders, and that sort of thing. So you got another part. So you see some of the medals come up for sale and or in photographs with 26 palms attached to them and the medals hanging halfway down to their trousers on a huge long ribbon. Um, look for uh, uh, some of the top pilots, you'll see, even in the Second World War as well. Um, so the Quad de Guerre is issued right the way through, uh, issued at the time, and that will all be detailed in their paperwork as well. And the medal is a very nice green and red striped thing, nice bronze cross, Date 1914, 1915 on the back, 1914, 1916 on the back, uh, right the way through uh, to the end of the war. And then it was reissued, or it was issued again, of course, in the uh, uh, Second World War as well. That's the quality gear. I would say that you've got the Legion of Honor, probably the equivalent of a DSO for officers, that sort of thing. Um, but complicated thing is it's done in various levels as well. Now, not mentioned yet, the Medal Militaire. Uh, military medal. Now, that was instituted in, I think it was 1853, um, by Louis Napoleon. Now, what Louis Napoleon's trying to do, of course, he's trying to grab back, retrospectively, the glory for France by his uncle, Napoleon Bonaparte. So he introduced this uh, medal military, military medal. And the first one that he's got, uh, and I've, I've got one, actually, um, is very nice medal, silver, uh, it's got a nice silver eagle on the top of it, uh, and it says for valor on it. Uh, and it was pretty similar equivalent to the military medal of, of the UK. It was also issued to British troops in the Crimea on occasion as well. So you see sometimes um, sort of NCOs, that sort of thing, medals, groups for the Crimea have uh, got an attached to medal military as well. And there's a list of those. Now, after 1870, Louis Napoleon goes, leaves from St. Amir. Uh, they institute the medal back, and the eagle's gone, but it's got a nice trophy of arms on it, sort of cross-cannon thing, uh, which it's got on that as well. So that's issued right the way through, right the way through up into the 50s, um, issued to all ranks as well, including officers, um, and it's a, it's a very attractive-looking medal. So that's the main groups of what you expect to find on a First World War grouping of medals. Now, the medals themselves, the, the actual ones issued for what you'd say for the war, of course, what you get is the Allied Victory Medal. Very similar to our medal. 
Uh, it's got a stylized angel on the front. It says on the back, Great War for Civilization, etc., etc. as well. Um, you'd expect to see that. You'd also expect to see the what is their equivalent of the British War Medal, which is a bronzy color medal, red and white striped um, ribbon to it, uh, circular bronze, and that's their equivalent of the British War Medal. So you'd expect to see at least those two and possibly a thing called the Combatant's Cross. Now, the Combatant's Cross was, uh, was instituted post-war and um, issued by the government. Uh, and it's to say that, you know, you're in action, you're in the army. That's really what it's there for. Now, you'll see 1418, but they reinstituted the medal in the Second World War. So you do see it with Second, with second World War groups as well. So what you expect it to see? Well, you come up, you see your frame on the floor, and probably what it's going to be is, and most of them are actually, you'll see a reasonably attractive frame with a huge diploma at the back. And they're sort of very 1920s looking, done by various companies. So there's some of them that are quite sort of what I'd say would be La Bella Pox style, pre-Great War. And then some of them are very much gone for the Art Nouveau. So you get Belle Epoque, you get Art Deco, you get Art Nouveau designs to these, um, these diplomas as well. Stuck onto the diplomas will be the run of medals. So let's say you're looking at one for an infantry regiment, uh, an NCO, nice, decent regiment. French don't get that. Really weird. Come on to that later. Um, and what it will have, it will have, say, Medal Militaire, Croix de Guerre, Combatants Cross, the War Medal, and the Victory Medal. Beneath that will be his name. Okay, so you have his name underneath, and it will say, um, uh, you know, Monsieur um, Lutz, uh, Soldier of, and then you'll have the regiment. So it will say, let's say we're in Calais, uh, so you're going to probably see the 8th, they were the local unit, and it will say the 8th Regiment of Infantry. He served, and it will list where he served. So it could be from the Marne, Artois, Verdun, the Somme, Sherman de Dames, and then into 18. And that'll all be detailed. Beneath it will say he received six citations. And of course, that will fit in with the quad of gear that you've got above. It will say wounded, blessé. Bless A three times, you'll see on occasion. And you go, fantastic. Now, when I first saw those, I, I can't believe that. And I remember a friend going to me, yeah, but how do you know there is medals? I said, well, with all due respect, you're looking at a medal group in a frame on an old diploma, nearly 100 years old, with all these details. The frame back's never been taken off. There's a letter stuck on the back or the worksheet from the people that were doing it, detailing what he told them, I pretty much guarantee there are his medals. And you ask a guy how much he want for it. And it's got to the point now, and I hate to say this, on average, no matter what the medal is, there is a difference, we'll come on to that. I don't pay no more than 10 euros a medal. I'm very hard on that now. I've gotten over 100 groups in France. And now I'll get to the point where I'll say it's 10 euros a medal. And that'll even include the gallantry as well. Can you imagine doing that with a British medal group? 
if they come up for sale. I'd say 10 euros a medal, that's it. Then you get on to, okay, there were various other medals that were issued as well. Uh, because what the French did, and I say, you know, my golden rule tends to be at the moment, I'm not going to pay more than 10 euros a medal. Because you've got the Verdun medal. Now, people in France tend to pay a little bit more for that medal. So if you see one with a Verdun medal, and that was one of these things post-war that was issued, there's a book in Verdun with all their names in. For those who served at Verdun, you could apply for it. And you get the Verdun medal, that might have a little bar on it, a uh, little silver medal, red and uh, blue, white uh, ribbon to it. And you'll see that on many of the groups as well. Even though lads that served at Verdun, and it'll have Verdun on the diploma underneath, may not have the Verdun medal because they never applied for it. Yeah, so you remember that as well. It also might say they fought in the Orient, which is Salonika, Serbia, and they'll say Dardanelles, but that may well not be in the group because they didn't at that time. It had already been framed in, say, 1920, 1921. The Dardanelle medal comes out in 1927. Can't really be bothered. I might have it somewhere, but it's not going to go behind that one. So I've mentioned the Dardanelles medal. Now, the Dardanelles medal was issued for Gallipoli, very attractive medal, green and white ribbon. Be expected to pay for that, and the French will fight you for it, at least 145 euros. This is an unnamed medal, okay? And it's for the Dardanelles, and on the back of that Dardanelles. It comes with a very, very, very attractive diploma. Huge red and white, uh, green and white thing, rather, with black edging. I've seen one come up on eBay um, a year ago, and it went for over 400 euros which is, is I'm going to come on to another one that's on eBay at the moment. It'll make your eyeballs crumble. Um, <laughs> so the Salonika medal, uh, the medal for the Orient, they were issued as well. The, uh, the Serbians issued a medal to the French as well. You may see them on some of the groups. I'd still only be, you know, sent 10 euros a medal. That's what I'll hold out to. What's going to really send the prices rocketing uh, with the French uh, and once I'm going to tell you this, you're going to go, yeah, that'll make sense. The first obvious one, Legion Entrangia. They will fight you tooth and nail for it. Uh, you can really blow your 10 euros a medal out the window on that one. Um, I've got two in my collection. Both come off eBay. Um, one was uh, runs through from the 30s, right the way through World War II, to a Spanish lad. Okay, so in a very nice oval uh, diploma in an oval frame, a uh, group of 10, multi-gallantry. Now, I had to go over 300 euros for that, uh, and I've been told by a big American collector, uh, I stole it off whoever was selling it. The, 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 it really did come in under that one. Um, and one I bought recently, within the last week, to a German. Now, here's interesting for you. On the, um, the diploma, very nice diploma. It's in, a, it's in an oval diploma. Uh, it's got a complete run of medals, what you'd expect from the 20s onwards, including World War II. Um, it says he was born in Germany. Yeah. And he's got a German name of Stutz. But, of course, he goes into, the, he goes into a, a French army unit. What it looks like is he was actually, because it says class of 1920, which what the, the, they got conscription in France. And you got to a certain age and it was your class and you went in the army. So if you think he's born in Germany, but he's under the class of 1920, you're possibly looking at a guy who was born in either Alsace or Lorraine. So he was born under Germany in 1900. 
He's got that on his military uh, medal, medal military diploma, born in 1900, August. And he gets to 1920. He's now class of 20. So he's probably either going to be in uh, Alsace or Lorraine. Goes into the French Foreign Legion. Serves right away. I mean, you know, it's, it's the Rift Wars because they fight with Spain in the Rift Wars. You'll see that medal as well. Issued by the Spanish two French troops. Um, very hard, dirty campaign fighting that one. Uh, he's got the medals for the Sahara, for Morocco, which is the colonial medal with different bars. And he's got a couple of World War II. And he's in the 1st Infantry Regiment of the uh, Legion Entrangere. Now, separately with that, I've got his uh, Medal Militaire diploma with the medal as well. Very, very nice. And the, the dealer, what happened with that? Well, I, I paid good money for it, but nowhere near what I expected to pay for it. And the dealer said, look, um, there's another diploma with it, the Medal Militaire one. <laughs> what it went for, and I think he was trying to pull a fast one, and I think it was him bidding on his own stuff. He said it went for less than I paid for it. And what I really want to do is I want to keep it all together. So do you want to buy it? Um, and I said, yes, I've got, I've got both of them. And it's got his full name on it, class of 1920, uh, Medal Militaire. And he was born in Germany, which I'm thinking they're going to look at Alsace. You'd pay, you, that's what the French are going to fight you for. Now, with that medal is a Moroccan medal with that group, the Sturz group. And I've got it on a couple of others. That is the equivalent of the Legion of Honour. They are issued by the uh, the government of Morocco to the French. Now, you sometimes see that as well. Probably pay about 60 euros for it. It's got one of these weird Arabic names to it. Um, and it's quite delicate enamel. So when you do see them, nine times out of ten, they're a little bit damaged. Uh, funny enough, these ones are uh, in, in quite good condition as well. Now, what are the other groups the French will fight you for when you're collecting and your 10-euro Rule goes out the window. Um, I picked up a group a couple of weeks ago. Now, the French are quite weird. They're changing over the time. Uh, but you'll see it at a metal group, and you say, how much is that? And they'll go 200 euros. Like, oh, you're having a laugh. Um, I tell you, I'll, I'll give you 50 for it. And they'll go, no, it's 200. There's no, you know, you say it in England, I want 50 quid for it. I'll give you 45. Mm, no, you know, we, we will do a deal. They don't go down. Very rarely you see the French do that. Um, and there was one guy, he put a group up, nice group, um, quite a gear, medal military, a uh, little run of medals as well with it, what you'd expect the other three. Couldn't make the name out on the photograph. And I said, and he wanted, I think the starting price was 30 euros. I was a bit bored, we are all sitting here during lockdown, and I thought, I'll offer him 35. And he went, yeah, okay. Now when it came in, and this is what blew me away, it was to a Senegalese soldier. Wow. Now, they're all bang on about France. So they, you know, they don't recognise their uh, their colonial troops. They don't recognise the lads from the Empire that fought. Tell that to any French military collector. Okay? You are talking premium, premium prices with some dedicated manic uh, collectors of French colonial empire troops. And a Senegalese group, you just don't see them. And when you do that, you will fight tooth and nail for them as well. So if you see any, any groups to Moroccans, Algerians, Senegalese, uh, Vietnamese as well, remember, any from around the empire, be prepared uh, to pay far more uh, than your 10 euro rule. 
which are which are normally it's always worth remembering that. Now you'll also see colonial troops as well. Now there was quite a funny little spat on eBay uh, on Twitter last year, I think, where someone showed up a photograph and it said, "Oh, these are the so-and-so colonial troops from the Empire." Of course, the way the French army worked was this. Uh, you're born in, in, in 1880, you get to uh, 20 years of age, class of 20, there's a chance you're going to do your uh, construction, okay? Uh, and you're going to do two years in the infantry, or I think it was three years if you went into the cavalry or the artillery, because it was a bit more sophisticated. Um, but you could only serve within metropolitan France, yeah? You was only going to serve in metropolitan France. Still went on to when they got rid of conscription a couple of years ago, uh, which was why Indochina, when they fight there in the 50s, was a war for the French regular army. It was not a conscripts war. But hey, they start fighting in Algiers. Algeria is part of metropolitan France. Therefore, they can send you to France, Algeria and you get involved in a very dirty little war, which is why over here, it's more or less regarded as a working class lads war, the, the war in Algeria. So, you could join the colonial troops. Now, they are they are French troops born in France, but are prepared to go to the colonies. So when you see colonial infantry, it means that they're actually said, I'm going to do my uh, period of service, but I'm going to go, I'll go into the colonial infantry, better conditions, that sort of thing, better pay. Um, and their class is colonial infantry. They're quite sought after as well. Um, the other group you're going to probably look at, and people will pay for quite a lot, well, not quite a lot, but it'll go a little bit more, is the Scherzers Alpines, the mountain troops, the Blue Devils, as they were known, used as assault troops. Uh, you'll see them quite a lot as well. So you won't see them quite a lot. Uh, they do turn up. I've, I've got a couple in the collection, one to an officer, one to another ranks, um, and, and they're quite sought after as well. But the ones that people are really going to collect for is anything to Legion on Trangere, which is what you'll expect to see, anything to lads from Vietnam, from Algiers, from Morocco, from the Senegal, parts of Africa, and then you go down, and they don't really pick and choose their regiments. You know, if you go online and you go, oh, look, there's a group here, he's to the, um, the 162nd is, is a case in point. Um, I've, I've got one recently, 162nd. Um, what did they do? And they had a terrible hard time. They destroyed about three times. And they're, 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 the French won't go for it. They don't see how we look at the sort of regiments in the UK. They really don't. So you see some hard-fighting regiments out there. They, they, they fight right the way through the Great War, even the assault. They'll still go, oh, yes, you know, so what? Is that important, Gary? I've had it said to me. I've gone, wow, look, look at that unit. Look where they went. And they, they just shrug. You get a Gallic shrug from them as well. Now, coming on... Um, with some of the Great War groups, you'll see, as I said, the colonial medals. Um, one's for the Orient, one's for fighting. There's blue and white ribbon on, on the uh, colonial one. Um, and you'll see various bars for that, Morocco, Casablanca, uh, all very attractive, really nice. Individually, what's happened over the past is the frames were taken to bits by dealers. Because how many times, I mean, I'm a bit different. You know, I've got a very understanding lady. People shrugs her shoulders when the postman delivers sort of pay our post lady actually comes up here and it just sort of like nods her head and walks off. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't tell me, don't say anything. Uh, and what am I going to do with a hundred frames of medals? Yeah. Um, 
So what happened years ago was a lot of the dealers literally took the frames off, sold them off separately, pulled all the medals off. You'll still see them with the glue on the back of the medals. Yeah, when they were stuck on the diploma. And the diploma got thrown to one side. And in fact, one, if we'd have done this uh, um, with a camera, whereas I was at the uh, Ami, Aras, Amion, rather, Bracont about five years ago, and we turned up in the morning, and there was just a diploma lying on the floor. And it was metal military, quite a gear. The medals had gone, just a diploma, a piece of card, quite large, about two and a half foot by about a foot. All the writing on it, and I, I just, oh, I can't be bothered, walked on. Coming back, going back to the car, end of the day, and it's still there. And it was a lady who was selling it. And I walked up, and the details, died for France. Okay, on it, died for France, gave his details, and she said, it's two euros. Oh. And Annette said, Gary, do not leave it in the gutter. It's a man's life. And I said, actually, yeah, you're right. And uh, so, so I brought that back home with me as well. Um, so you got the night, the first world, the Great War medals. You got the 1930s medals. We've gone through the um, the gallantry. Now the Croix de Guerre, uh, interestingly, what they did as well. We did mention with the Legion of Honor for some of the colonial troops, there was a an equivalent issued by um, the Sultan of Morocco that you sometimes see on groups. Um, what they did, they issued a Croix de Guerre equivalent called the T-O-E with a blue, light blue and, and, and red uh, ribbon. And that was issued for acts of gallantry outside of metropolitan France. So you see that for, for lads uh, fighting in the Dardanelles, fighting in Salonica as well. It's called the T-O-E. Um, yeah, again, I'll, I'll still put on the uh, 10 euros a medal if I'm bidding on them now. Now, what's going to cause you a problem at the moment? Uh, if you go on French eBay, I'm giving all my secrets away. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to you now. Um, and, um, <laughs> um, what's causing you a problem there is postage. And of course, Brexit. We're, you're going to pay 20% VAT. Yeah. Uh, and if I bid on anything, and it's got, it's got my daughter's address, my dead uh, post drop in the UK. Um, he tells mum every time some books get delivered for me. Uh, thank you, Charlotte. Um, it will say there's 20% VAT plus the postage. So all the metal groups from France are going to come here. So I'm a winner on that one in um, in two ways, where a lot of the British state collectors have sort of not doing it. So I'm, I'm the, the lone Englishman uh, fighting for this <laughs> in France. Um, now, of course, some of the lads served into World War II as well. And, and these frames, the odd things with these, these frame medals, they really started, I will argue, with the groups during the Great War. Very rarely, very, very rarely do you see them prior to the Great War. Um, I mean, one of the things I, I collect, funny enough, I mean, if I was to, to win the, the Euro millions, what would Gary, what would I collect, Gary? Well, well Gary would collect officers' medals to Waterloo. Okay, that'd be my British Army, Waterloo medals. That, that'd be it. That's what I'd be collecting. Okay, and I'd be paying, you know, five, six thousand pounds a medal and a very nice collection it'd be too. And I'd be up against some big, big American collectors out of New York as well. On that one. Um, so a few years ago, I came across the medal called the St. Helena medal, which is a French medal issued in the 1850s 
by Louis Napoleon. You know, a little history lesson there. Louis Napoleon comes in, wants to reintroduce glory into France, looks back to his uncle. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll grab the glory from Bonaparte. Yeah. So what we do that the, the Bonaparte's body comes back to the uh, to France, and they issue retrospectively the Saint Helena Medal. It's a green. It's got a green and uh, orangey red ribbon, same ribbon as the Croix de Guerre, by the way. And it's a little bronze medal. Bonaparte on one side, uh, date of his death on Saint Helena, 1821, on the other side. And what happened was the local mayor had come round. And you go, oh, look, you fought for Bonaparte. You, you, you did, you did, you volunteered, you did that. Bit. I'm going to put your name forward and you're going to get the St. Helena medal. And you've got a very nice diploma. It come in a very nice box and it's quite a nice little dinky medal. And you're going to be paying just for the medal on its own about 40, 50 euros. Wow. Now, this is an ironic medal. They had a diploma, I watched one go on eBay a couple of days ago, for 40 euros. Now, this is a diploma to a French infantryman who fought for Bonaparte. The diploma's got to be rarer than the silver medal. All right, okay, gone in the silver pot back in whenever uh, on the British ones. But these diplomas, and the great thing with them as well, there's another website uh, for the St. Helena medal. And if you're lucky, I think they've got about 60% of all the medals that were issued, the names. And if you go on that website, punch his name in. If you're lucky, it'll come up. It'll give you the regiment you fought with. That might be confirmed on your piece of paper, on your diploma. Very nice, attractive diploma with an with uh, illustration medal on it and a signature and your details. It can say where he was wounded, if he was a prisoner of war, when he fought as well. Uh, and I've been actively... The reason I'm telling you this is because I'm not collecting them anymore. Uh is because my collection, when I started, which was about 20 years ago, these things were out there. And I was buying all of them. I was going through them, getting onto their website, getting in touch with them. I was buying French infantry officers served in Russia, 1812 wounded, for about 50 euros. I couldn't believe it. I thought, this is mad. And I went through all of the, the regiments, got most of the regiments, arms of service, and my, my, my collection was completed this year when I finally managed to get one to a Carazier. French go mad for them. Fourth Regiment of Carazies, they were in 1815. They served in Russia, um, and it was a, a very nice diploma. Came with the medal as well. And, and I paid 200 euros for that because of, of what it was. But I've picked up Old Guard, Young Guard, Middle Guard, Dutch Lancers, um, uh, Guides, uh, Regiment of Guides, um, the the, the, the honour regiment, which were the uh, the posh lads who Bonaparte wanted to join up in, in, in an elite cavalry unit. And they, they weren't very good, actually. Uh, sailors and all that sort of thing. There was some crazy stuff out there. Um, and and they're well worth looking at if you want to collect French and Napoleonic stuff. But you do see them in frames. And I, I bought one off the internet. It turned up and it was the wrong ribbon. And I thought, oh, I didn't see that. It's a red ribbon me being a bit stupid. So I thought, that's a funny old-looking red ribbon. It's the ribbon from the Legion of Honour. And, of course, I went on the Legion of Honour site and he got a Legion of Honour in 1812 as a sergeant major. So I was quite happy with that. Um, so you may then see some of the other French medals. Now, what did the French issue medals for? Well, Louis Napoleon comes in and he says, right, we're going to go and fight in Italy, fight the Austrians, so you get the Italian campaign medal. 
which goes for about 60 euros. And it's starting to creep up in price. There was one issued, uh, they didn't issue one for the Crimea. They got our one for the Crimea. Oh, and I've actually got one of those mounted with a World War One group where it's his grandfather's with the medal military. So that was quite nice, that one was. Um, they issued one for Dahomey, for Madagascar, uh, for Tonkin, uh, for China in the 1860s, for China in 1900. Uh, and the one that you're really going to have to pay for, because the French love it, the Italian one can't be really bothered with, um, Madagascar can, can creep up a bit. Tonkin can creep up a bit. Make sure these have got the ribbons with them because the ribbons sometimes have got motifs on them. Certainly the Tonkin one has. Um, the China 1900 one's quite nice as well. You'll pay a little bit for that. But the one they all want, I haven't mentioned yet, Mexico. Really? There, of course, the front there. Yeah, you've seen all the Clint Eastwood Westerns always coming up against French soldiers and, uh, and all stuff. They're always the bad guys. Um, they issued a medal for, for Mexico, the, the Mexican expedition, the Mexican adventure. That regularly goes, manufactured by Bar & Co., and that regularly goes for over 200 euros. Wow. I pay a lot of money for that. They, they, they're fascinated with Mexico. Um, now, interestingly, not very PC this bit, um, I, was in, um, I was in Amion with, with Nettie, and um, I hadn't really bought a lot. And when we're coming back during the day, and I bought a few bits, and there was an elongated-looking frame. And it was some very uh, folksy artwork of soldiers fighting, that sort of thing. Oh, I had a close look at it. And it was China 1900 with a China 1900 medal mounted in it. And I'm reading the, the explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this officer goes through Sensier, fights with an infantry regiment, goes out to China in the China expedition, that sort of thing. Well, um, does all of that. Here's his medal in a nice elongated frame. It's unusual. Uh, with this nice little bit of artwork he's got done, single medal on its own, which I thought was alongside it in a sort of a squirrely pattern, was why have they got a black snake mounted in the frame? Well, it wasn't a black snake. On closer inspection, what it was, of course, when we um, we fought during the Boxer Rebellion with the boxes, they had black pigtails. What they were doing with the Chinese prisoners was cutting their pigtails off. And this was actually a boxer's pigtail mounted in the frame. And I looked at it and I thought, even though I really want it, I don't think I should. <laughs> I really don't. I really. It was about three hundred euros, and secretly between me and you, Ben, I really regret not buying it there. <laughs> don't sell anyone. But um, <laughs> honest, no, no, can't record that. Um, but I've never seen the like of it. But very rarely did they do the groups prior to not, prior to the Great War. The, 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 these multi-groups, uh, multi-medal groups with a diploma were post uh, really were World War Two, World War One rather and beyond. Um, you do see the odd ones turn up for the, the other one, of course, is the Franco-Prussian War of 1870, where there was a medal issued um, about 30 years afterwards, I think 1911 they issued it, uh, when it came up for the anniversary. That's a nice medal. You see that with a diploma now and then mounted as well. Um, when it gets on to post-World War II now, you do see some of the groups. They tend to be regular French army. Um, I haven't got one in my collection yet, uh, but they were issued, of course, Indochina. That's quite an attractive medal. And of course, the M. Ben Fu. Any, and, and in French collecting now, 
Um, when you look at it, what what's sought after? There's a, there's a military shop in St. Amir. He's a good lad. If you're ever in St. Amir, he's just off the square. He's open uh, in the afternoons on, on a Saturday. Um, he, he's a very good lad, good price-wise as well. I have a lot of talks. His, his English is superb. And I have a lot of talks. I said, what do the French collect? And he says, it's very old school. If you, you're up against the French collectors, still at the moment, it's like what the British collected 50 years ago. Nice-looking swords. Nice-looking headgear. Yeah. Um, it's that old school, the, the, lots of medals. It's the old school form of collecting. He said, they're starting to change. What you, you are going to be prepared to pay a lot of money for is anything uniform-wise, um, certainly Horizon Blue from the Great War is very expensive. Um, the, the, the Kepi, the, uh, the blue Kepi with a red top to it, uh, he's got a list of the collectors who want to buy and if they come in there, they're creeping up for a good one for a thousand euros. Ooh. Yeah, the one you see is, you know, for 1914, yeah. up to 1914. And he, and he said, I've got a list of collectors for those, and the, my price is to quality between 800 to a thousand euros on those. Uh, so they're starting to get into it. <clears throat> they're not really into their World War II stuff yet. They still heavily collect German and American and British airborne and British cloth patches. They're manic on those. Polish as well. Certainly here, because Polish troops operated here. They're starting to get into a bit of Indochina, anything paratrooper as well. Algiers, still frowned on really in many ways, but uh, you can start seeing it's coming up. You can put up a really nice 54-dated helmet and pay five euros for it. Yeah. Um, and the combat kit for then is, is really still in, almost in the army surplus this year as well, uh, what they're looking for, unlike the UK. Um, the medals, what you'll see. Now, I was in a... These Bracons, they can be in very attractive French villages, yeah, uh, with a chateau and a nice castle and everything that go big country house. And, you, oh, look, that's marvellous. This is a nice water mill and, and what have you. Or they can be on a council estate outside Callum, yeah? And, and don't think, oh, I'm not going to buy anything. Because, yeah, you, you go to... As a, an antique dealer used to say to me years ago, you know, go where the chimney pots are, because that's where the stuff is mm. in the city. You know, don't go... There. Anyway, we went to Calais. It was a bigger... It was a, next going, you sure about this? You know, the, we're going to go back and the car's going to be on brick. Um, and I said, no, but you, you never know what you see. You never know what you see. And, and what there was, and I did get it out for you, what there was was a, um, a circular frame diploma in the frame, two medals, issued by France for the Second World War, to a Polish lad who'd come from Poland in 39, joined the French army in 39, fought in 1940 in the French army, and then gone and fought for the British army. And with it was the photograph of him wearing his British paratroopers uniform. Wow. So just because you think there's going to be nothing, you know, these Bracons, as I say, little horrible council estate up on the back of Calais. Um, that was really good. Now, what, coming on to the Second World War stuff as well, I'm looking at one down below me here. Um, most, <laughs> all right, okay. You know, we get the French army jokes out of the way at the moment. Uh, why did Bonaparte plant trees along the road so the Germans could march in the shade and all that sort of thing as well? Uh, when you look at the French army in the Great War, by January 1915, the French army are holding 95% of a 400-mile front. The British Empire have got about 4%, I think, 
the other one percent the Belgians have got. Um, and, you know, when you consider the French lose twenty seven thousand dead on one day in August nineteen fourteen as well. Yeah, you know, these, these are hard fought one medals. Now, most of the World War Two groups you've got, uh, and I've quite got into them lately. You very rarely see big groups because, hate to say it, most of them went in the bag in 1940. Yeah. Um, but they can be quite detailed on what they were doing on the diploma. And I've got a very nice one for quite a famous action on the Maginot Line where they held out against Stuka dive bombers and artillery. Um, yeah, slightly more expensive, uh, according to the towel. Now, with those as well, of course, the French also issued a medal. Uh, after the Second World War, for the resistance, FFI. And it's got a black and red uh, ribbon, uh, a bronze medal as well. Uh, I've got a couple of those. Uh, one was a local lad at uh, Lons. Uh, he was executed by the French. His name's up on the local memorial. Uh, and one turned up, funny enough, at the uh, Bracont at Montreuil. And it had, uh, I think, three medals in it. And I said, how much you got for that? And he went, 90 euros. And I, of course, no, no way am I paying that for it. And, um, and then next, we'll have a closer look at it. He obviously wants 90 euros for it for a reason. And I just poo-pooed it. And I thought, I'm not, can't be bothered. And she said, Gary, come back and look at it. I went and read the description. And it was fighting 26 of July, 1944. Um, died for France. And what it was... Um, Coming on during the uh, Normandy campaign, a lot of the units of the French FFI rose up, and this lot were ambushed by the Germans and all killed. And he was on it as well. Now, can you imagine what you'd be paying for that for a UK unit? You know? Styles and it was, this was off a dealer. And it actually, and that bought a couple of bits, so I think even not the price down anymore. So the, effort, the uh, French resistance medal's quite good. Now, <clears throat> we've mainly gone through the French medals as well. So we've covered the gallantry, we've covered some of the 19th century stuff, we've covered the diplomas, what you might expect to see, the details, importantly, what you expect to see, um, what you'd expect to be fighting against with the French collectors, uh, where you're going to get them. I've mentioned eBay, but eBay, you're going to be paying another 20% VAT because most of them will come up in France. Uh, there are some extortionately priced stuff on eBay at the moment, which I think is just people throwing prices out there. Yeah, stick with your 10 euros uh, uh, medal thing, unless it's Legion Entrangere, unless it's a nice colonial unit as well. Now, there's a medal on there at the moment on eBay, and it was sitting last night, a French unnamed bronze medal at 555 euros. Good God. God. Actually, that, that was my worst. Uh, and what it is, the, the Vichy government issued a medal for lads who went and fought in the German army for Axavella. And there were 400 issued. And there's one sitting on eBay at the moment. And it's way out of my price. Um, so that's that. And I, that's the only one I've ever seen come up for sale. Uh, now, talking of the German lads, there was a group sitting on there, um, which I've got in the other room, actually. And um, nice photograph of it. A lad, not very uh, sexy unit. He was a baker, uh, captured in 1940. And I thought, here we go, engineering unit, baker. Um, and I thought, okay. But there was loads of writing with it as well on, on, the, uh, on the diploma. So he's captured in 1940, prisoner of war. So, you know, the French stuff, 
World War Two. These are POW medals that most of the time you're buying. So there's that added nuance to them. This guy says 1941 joins the Wehrmacht. Yeah, serves in Russia, wounded three times, captured by or liberated. It says Berlin 1945 by the Russians. Oh. And I thought, I'm going to have that. And yeah. I'm thinking, it says Wehrmacht, but I can't think of any German, French volunteers fighting with a Wehrmacht in Berlin in 1945. No, I, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can think of a few SS French lads fighting in Berlin in 1945. Yeah, now, speaking to... Yeah. So, and this guy's got it on his wall. In his French house. Look, look there's my medals. <laughs> well, well it, it sort of harks back to Joaquin Piper, doesn't it, moving to France after the war? So he's got this on his wall. You know, I was captain in 1940, but then when I fought the sort of the, the Bolsheviks in Russia. Okay, yeah. um, but what someone told me was, now I didn't know this until recently, someone said, yeah, the thing was, Gary, if you went and fought with a German army, the German army, they included that in your service in the French army. Really? Which I never knew. No, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come into this point because I'm sure, I'm sure like most people listening to this, you, you've read Guy Sayers' uh, The Forgotten Soldier. Yes, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's, that's a seminal text of an Arsos uh, Frenchman. Uh, and at the, you know, right at the end when, when he's captured, he's separated from his, from his colleagues um, and his comrades. He's, you get the good cop, bad, you know, well, bad cop, then good cop. Uh, situation where and, and again this happened I, I know that there was a French general wasn't there who who, who derided Frenchmen in, in, in Vermax service and they derided him for wearing American uniforms so he shot them um, but it was interesting that you know going back to say that the uh, the, the, the second officer said forget it all you're in you're in the French army now and he was in, involved in the victory parade um, 1946 so there was a precedent there, but I always thought that was artistic license. I hadn't realised they actually included it. Yeah. yeah. So there's this guy, and he's, he's very nice French diploma, or I call them diploma, but French mounted um, group with his French medals, detailing his service, fighting in Russia for the Germans, and says, captured Berlin 1945. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are listening, I'm wondering why Gary and I are both sort of chuckling privately at this. It's not a private joke. The the only French units <laughs> in Berlin uh, belonged to the SS. Yes, <laughs> they would. They and and the the SS um, units which fought the hardest uh, in Berlin were French, um, yeah. for, for obvious reasons. So that, that's why we're chuckling. I think it's a little bit between the two of us. I'm certainly stunned. And, 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 that's why I mentioned Piper. Uh, I know that for a, a long time, you know, well, it, I mean, the French are very forgiving, aren't they? I, I have to be honest in certain respects. They are. I mean, yeah. they, they are. Probably, I, I think so. Um, yeah. When you look at, you know, we, we're going off, off peace, so to speak, at the moment, but, you know, Nettie says to me, are oh, we going to go shopping? We're going to go and tell a clerk. And I go, fine. She went, I'll leave you by the magazine stand. Yeah, because you get all these French historical magazines. Yeah. And, Germany. and there's the cracker, there's uniforms, uh, there's militaria, two of the really good magazines. And probably 50% of the 
um, that the, the articles are on to do with either the, uh, the, the French units fighting or serving alongside the Germans, be it the Malice, be it certain right-wing groups, um, Ger- uh, French fighting in the, the German army or the German army itself, yeah? Um, yeah. And it's, it's really amazing that they, they are. To them, if people say that the French do not accept or do not face up to what they did in the Second World War, I'd say, well, go into the clerk, get last month's copy of uniforms and see what the articles are. Because there'll be, you know, I think the last month's one was on the French Boy Scout movement that was a, a, a right-wing movement associated with Nazi Germany. And, you know, and, and, and so that it's there. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, and you're right. And, and sort of, I suppose it sort of develops nicely into a little bit of a sort of side thing. You know, you're talking about the French military history magazines. When I, when I was, um, years ago, I ended up going to French Guyana for two months. And uh, in stay in Karoo, and there was there was one paper shop <laughs> opposite the bar, next to the hairdressers. That's how I remember it in the supermarché. And they had is it um, Militaire Histoire? Yes. Yeah, I got a copy of Militaire Histoire. It's somewhere safe. Uh, I don't know where I put it. <laughs> it's probably in a box somewhere. Um, <laughs> but but I, I grabbed that because it had this wonderful article about the Panther. Right. My, my French is pretty rude, rudimentary. I, I won't even embarrass myself or yourself by trying to speak it. But I understood it, and I thought that you, you wouldn't get the, the level, and, it, and they are beautifully produced. You just don't see that in the, in the United Kingdom. Um, you have to get a book, and you have to get a, probably an expensive book, for what the French are picking up for four or five euros. And, and like you say, and, and the articles, they're, they're very honest about the war. Because they are, I, I, they, um... And I think the level, sorry, sorry, the level oh. they go into. Uh, I mean, you've got two magazines that just do the Great War over here. One of them called uh, Tronchet. You've got a metal uh, magazine just on armored vehicles. There's a couple just on aircraft. Um, a whole run of periods of French history as well. The average price now is about nine euros, but you do get a special that will come out, and it will be fifteen twenty euros. But, you know, they are the equivalent of a book in many ways. The Napoleonic stuff's really come through. Napoleon III stuff, uh, Algeria. But the the uniform one, the military one, one sort of uh, goes up to just after the Great War and the other one does sort of from 1900 onwards. So there is a crossover with them. And they're superb. And it's always worth picking them up because of the photographs they've got of the original kit. Because after time, you're walking around these Bracons and, and you never know what you're going to find. Um, I mean, and you say, oh, I've seen that in last month's magazine. That's this. Or I've seen this bit of paperwork or um, a, a flyer or a magazine that was issued only by these people. I mean, you're talking of Bracons. Um, so they, they, obviously last year there were none. Don't know what it'll be this year. But the year before, I um, there was a, one of the first Bracons of the year. And they issue a book. There's a couple of books you buy that list all the Bracons. Uh, in the part of Calais. And I'm looking over on the other side now, the ones for 2020, I had everything ready. I had my books, all the lot, and then, of course, bang, there was only two last year. Well, I thought, oh, bugger. Um, But the one for 20 would have been, what, 2019? Um, One not far from me, and it literally walked onto the start of the Bracon, and people bring their stuff. It's like a booth there, but through the village. And they have a stall selling food, 
uh, that you can get, you know, your frits and, 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 and megua sausage, that sort of thing as well, Margate sausage and all that sort of thing as well you'll get and they'll run a bar right the way through. It's a real event for the village, really is a big event. And I'm walking along and I look to my right and I thought, that's a First World War trench club, a German wow. one. And it's on the floor. And the guy's got a couple of odd bits of military, the very odd. And um, I said, how much is it? And he went, it's 20 euros. And I'm looking at this thing, and I've seen exactly the same at Nick's up at Hooge. Yeah. And I thought, that's right. And it's a wooden handle with a big, long spring with a small knob, solid steel on the end. And I thought, that's the German one. I know I've seen exactly that up at Hooge in Nick's collection. And he wants 20 euros for it. So now we're 40 odd years ago. I just said, there's your 11 and 6. 40 years on, I went, I'll give you 15 euros for it. And he went, no. And I thought, he's absolutely spot on. So I, picked, I said, oh, here's your 20 euros. And I was shaking. Actually, when I picked it up, I was shaking with this thing. Absolutely superb. And I, I took some photos on it, put it straight onto Twitter, and everyone's coming on going, oh, my God, Gary, where did you get that? You know, uh, I showed it to Nick, a photograph of it. Nick, Nick just went up, oh, gee, I'll, I'll have that. I said, honestly, Nick, I don't want to sell it. Um, yeah, I'll never be able to afford another one. Fair, he said, we don't see him come up on the market. Not like that. What I did do, though, is when I got home, parked up the, uh, the, the van, and, and, I'm, and I'm walking uh, into the house, and I thought, well, I wonder how these things work, you know, these, these trench clubs, right? Because it's, it's about two and a half foot long. And I thought, you're in a trench, they're quite narrow and all the rest of it. And I don't know. So now, considering this thing's 100 years old, I've got a sheet of metal, the equivalent of a, of a car door. And I literally just pulled my hand, my hand flexed my hand back, not the arm, and went, doink. And it went straight the way through the car door, like it was going through chimney or butter, rather. And I was like, wow. Literally flex my hand, not my arm, just my hand, dink. And and I couldn't believe it. And straight away through, it was an old transit door. Straight away through it. Okay. So the, the Bracons uh, are happy hunting grounds for people. They start when the hunting season finishes, uh, which is, is uh, they'll start in the first round of early April. They go right the way through on to uh, the end of, um, they really go through on to the end of September. The last big one of the year is the uh, Amion one. They do two, one at the start of the year, one at the end, 2,000 stalls. Lots of Brits used to go to it. And you'll see all sorts of French military there for sale. Um, I'm not sure now, of course, what issues you might have taking them back across the channel. Um, the metal groups you'll see, you'll see uh, bits of uniform bits as well, stuff like that. Uh, what have I picked up on, on the French Bricons over the years? Well, very nice uniform stuff, uh, headgear, cappies, uh, nice Legion Entrangere one, lots of paperwork. Uh, being a bureaucracy, as we said right early on, everyone tended to keep everything. Uh, so you see all of their sort of call-up papers, uh, letters, postcards, that sort of thing. Um, right, uh, Algiers is coming on stream. People are beginning to get into Algiers now uh, quite a lot. So the Algerian stuff's coming through. Uh, probably now the time to buy if anyone's interested in collecting anything Indochina, like the lizard pattern, camo, 
Um, that's going to be a premium price. Anything French paratroopers, that's going to be a premium price as well. Most of the other stuff, though, is, is a good time, I'd say, uh, if people come over, you know, you're allowed to come over this year and get into the Bracons, is it's a really a good time to start collecting. Now, the odd thing is, as well, I tend to find French military affairs are more a social event. Yeah, not like when you go to, say, you know, the Bromley Medal Fair where people will pay more money to get in early and then it's all very manic with people rushing round. The first week place these lot hit at a bar. <laughs> so, and they talk to their mates and they'll, they're there because they've got, they've got a bar. And, you know, the amount of times these people have got stuff there all day and then you'll see a lot of the business will go on during the end of the day, like the, the, a lot of the uh, Braconts as well. I don't think I'm going to get there at six o'clock in the morning. You do get the hard, you know, the hard and dangerous um, guys that go through there pretty early on. But the majority of it, I found amazing stuff still at the end of the day when a lot of the business is done as well. Books are very good. French done some marvellous books. Uh, end of the Second World War as well on, on Leclerc's division, that sort of thing as well. You see quite a lot of. Um, it's a great field to get into. I mean, the, the medals, what got me was, I can always remember, um, when I, I first seriously started, and I say I've got over 100 frame medal groups now. I hate to say that, thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I've got to it. Um, but I, I was on a well-known uh, First World War forum, is all I'll say. No names, no patron. <laughs> and, um, and I turned around and said, oh, look, I, I picked this back up in France, and it was a multi-gallantry group. It was to an offer. I'll tell you what it was. One came up on um, on eBay, and it was a, a French officer, Croix de Guerre, with multiple stars for citations, Legion of Honour, the Wound Medal, the French issued a medal for being wounded, by the way, as well. It's like um, yellow, blue, red, white ribbon with a red star. There's an early version with a cut-out laurel leaf and then a solid-backed one. Uh, so that you, you sometimes see him with the uh, medal for um, uh, for being wounded. There was his wound medal, the run of medals as well that you'd expect to see with it. Uh, so Croix de Guerre, Legion of Honour, uh, the wound medal, and then the, uh, the camp. And a whole run on him there. He's with the 77th Infantry that were an elite assault unit. Absolutely elite. Wounded. Prisoner of War. Now, uh, in a lovely, attractive frame, gilt with all the brass edging on it and that sort of thing. Paid a lot of money for it, really. Um, I paid over 200 euros for it. But at the time, I was thinking, what would the equivalent be to a British officer? DSO, multiple MIDs, is campaign medals, wounded, prisoner of war. £3,000? Probably. Here's a French lad. And when I put it on um, this well-known First World War forum, they all came back with, yeah, but how do you know there is medals? How do you know that? And I'm thinking, God, this is why I don't, this is why I don't go on it anymore. I'm thinking, hang on a minute. It's in a frame, an hundred-year-old frame. You, you know, it's not fake. The back's never been off. It's a lovely diploma with the arms of France and, uh, you know, so battle honours and this sort of thing. All the nice uh, calligraphy writing. Uh, you can see the wear of the medals. They're his medals. They've never been out. You go on the internet 
and all these details are down there as well. And um, they came back with, yeah, unlike British medals, their name, they're, and you're thinking, do you know what really gets me? And I've had this with a friend of mine. A lot of these medals, I, I turn around, turn around now looking at them, is they're in the frames because they were put on a wall in a house in a place of pride and honour, yeah? I had a friend of mine, he said, oh, do you want to come and see this, Garrett? It was about, oh, at least 20 years ago now. I said, what you got, Jan? And he said, well, one of my relatives has died and, and they've got this. And they think, you know, it's of interest within the family. And it was 1922, I think, dated blue envelope, the big, you know, registered envelope. Yeah. And he, he, it, that had been opened. Inside it, still sealed, which we unsealed and got out, was a 1914 trio and a plaque to a lad killed in 1914. Yeah, never been out. There was actually almost a black sheen to the pack, the plaque. So the, the, the uh, registered envelope had been opened, quite a big, long thing. Inside, still firmly never been opened, was another two sealed packets. One had the trio in, one had the plaque in. Now that come through the door and went straight in a drawer and was never opened for over 80 years. When these medals you see framed and in with the diplomas framed, were on someone's wall with someone's looking at it, in a pride, place of pride and honour. They were proud of those. And that's what I like to think, you know, when I've got some of them on the wall and you think some old boy sat there looking at those, you know, to the end of his days, thinking about his experiences at Verdun, fighting in Artois, the last hundred days, 1917. And that's what those medals represent to me. And then the stories of the guy, you know, captured in 1940, a baker, joins the German army, goes and fights in Russia, and then makes a last stand, what, 200 yards from the right chancery. And he's still got that on his wall. Or a guy who joins up the French Foreign Legion, Spanish, the Spanish lad I've got, comes out of, uh, comes out of Republican Spain. In, uh, in the 1930s, fighting during the Civil War, joins the French Foreign Legion, fights right the way through World War II. And if he was part of Leclerc's division, the Neuf is the first unit that goes into the Arc de Triomphe. You know? It, 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 it's, it is interesting, isn't it, the, the way that, you know, the, the, cult, the cultural differences between ourselves and the French and our approach to, to medals, in particular, you know, and, and how we present them. And, and you know, and it's true, sort of, we 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 seem to be very lackadaisical in, in our record keeping. You know, we we put the name around the edge of the medal and that's it. You know, we, we, so for example, you know, my father's grandfather that that was his medals from the Great War because he was Nigerian. Right. Um, they we know that he was. Well, he, he wasn't. He he we, we he was Jewish diaspora in, in Nigeria and and you know. They were stamped accordingly, so I mean, we we could trace him back and and roughly where what where he was what he was doing. I think he was something to do with mining at the time. He was, he was a technical right. type chap. Um, but the, the difference is what we do. What those medals are in a drawer. You know, we've got we've got them here safely. They're in a drawer. We don't get them out. They're not on show. And the same with my medals. They come out once, twice a year. Remembrance Sunday. Um, they might come out for something else, but the rest of the time, you know, they're in a drawer because. That's the way we do it. But I think the French got the right idea. And the fact that they give a diploma 
as well, which lends providence. Which going back to some of the remarks of of people on the on the Sunday forum, actually, that that is more than proof enough. Because let's be honest, you can buy replacement medals. I had to buy a replacement medals medal a couple of years ago. Um, because a medal that I was back owed, they sent it in the post of all things, <laughs> medal yeah. office, and it, and it got lost. It actually got lost in the post. Um, and I waited for about a year for a replacement, and they said, well, well, we don't know if it has been lost in the post, even though it was tracked. I said, well, I, I didn't receive it. And I ended up having to, to get the replacement myself. And ironically, a year later, <laughs> this thing turned up. But it was easy. I, I went online to a shop. All I had to do was provide proof that I was owed it, okay, which is fair enough. I, I'd earned it, uh, and they, they marked it accordingly. But it just shows you how easy it is to get these things marked off because there are some some medal sellers don't do that in the UK. They're quite happy yeah. to supply a medal and just put your details on the rim. More than happy. Yeah, I mean, as you say, that the, the thing <coughs> that I can always remember, I mean, my dad's never got his medals until I applied for them in the 1980s, and yeah. we eventually got his medals which we could do, and then he got his Legion of Honour and stuff like that. Lots of the guys I used to work with who were World War II veterans. I'm of an age when I started my apprenticeship, all the sparks I worked with were all ex-World War II. Yeah. All ex- and, none of, and most of them said, we never wanted our medals. We wanted to get home and get back into work. Yeah? Um, the French made a big thing about, you know, you'd apply for these, these medals that were the retrospective ones. Uh, there were the big parades they issued. You know, one of the guys in 1917 says on the um, thing about the mutinies, he said, we've had enough of your medals and diplomas. Where the French, you know, give the medals out, give the medals out, give all these diplomas out as well. French were very active in doing that. Well, the British weren't. Um, and when my dad's one, we eventually got that come in a registered envelope. And I can always remember there's a very famous, um, well, it's not famous now, actually. There's uh, two things I'm going to tell you. There's a, uh, a British sitcom from the 1960s with Sid James in it and um, a, a big lady and they play a housekeeper and a chauffeur. And they were talking about the Second World War and medals. And she turns around and they were come to me at some point and she said, yes, she said, I can remember when I got my medal. She said, it was the proudest day of my life. She said, I was standing by the, the, uh, the gate of our garden and I watched him come up the lane and get off his bike. And Sid James says, what, the king turned up on a bike? And she went, no, the postman. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of that is also... Yeah, sorry, go on. And, 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 and I remember my dad chuckling at that. And you're thinking, <laughs> that really literally was it. Um, now, the thing on the French, you know, it's a very militaristic country, or has been, you know, conscription up to quite recently. You had, you know, conscription during the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, conscription right the way through the territorial. You do see territorial units. Now, don't imagine when you see territorial units on a diploma, they're like the territorial units in the UK. These were lads who had done their service, older lads, and then join up and they go into a territorial unit. It's immensely going to be fighting locally. And if you go up to the labyrinth on Artois, the, uh, that horrendous fighting at the labyrinth, there's only one a memorial there, and it's to a young French officer who's sent into a territorial unit, and just as his lads are getting ready to go over the top, he gives this speech, which starts with, okay, granddads, are you going to follow me? And they probably went, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Because these are old, these are old guys. They're in their forties. Um, yeah. But when we started this uh, recording, we were talking about local to me here. They've got a. Um, uh, we, we've got a memorial. We've got an infamous massacre. Fourteen of the locals done, and some of the lads were collected from the other villages. And every, I think it's either the fourteenth or the twenty-second of September. What they do is they hold a big parade around the various memorials here where these lads' names are on the memorials. And then we finish up down at the uh, the old embankment where the massacre took place. I, with me and Nettie normally go. And the first time we went there uh, was about 2011, I think. Yeah, it would have been about 2011. So we, we go to the, the one at Offhand, which is just up the road from me. And everyone's there, the great and the good, you know, the mayors from the various villages are there. And the veterans are there. Now, the veterans, there was, I don't think there were any from World War II, certainly none from the Great War. I can remember seeing one from the Great War, funny enough, back in the 80s in Normandy. Um, But there were no Great War veterans, obviously. Um, There was a couple of World War II lads, but the majority of these lads who were veterans at this memorial had served in the 50s and the early 60s all with their medals. A lot of parachute regiment lads. Yeah. And I'm looking at this and I said to Nettie, I said, do you think this is a bit ironic? And she went, how do you mean? I said, well, here we are in this little village in France commemorating a massacre of, of civilians in a village by an invading army. She went, yeah. And I said, all the veterans that I'm seeing, and there was about 30 or 40 of them, all with their medals up, all their medals are for Indochina and Algeria. Yeah, good point. I said, there's a certain, you know, and she said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, Indochina, perhaps not so much, but certainly Algeria, a very dirty war. And, but still, those lads, given their judo over there, and, you know, you get the chest full of medals. They're proud to wear their medals. You still go into lots of places in France and there'll be the uh, the old combatants uh, association. Oh, I know the one in Boulogne up on the square. Uh, so that that's still pretty big and, and still a pretty big sort of, um, you know, not hugely political anymore. When I mean the power it wields, but it did at one point. Remember, there was almost a, a, a revolution in France, I think, in the 1920s. I think it's the INC with a big right. lot that were getting ready to go into uh, into Paris uh, at one point as well. All the veterans that thought they were being hard done by and stuff like this. Um, so the French are, you know, they're, they're very proud of wearing their medals. Still, a lot of the vets. It's not something like recently that you've seen come up in the UK in the past 20 years. This is a thing that's never stopped. You know, when, when Bonaparte's body is brought back um, to Paris, and I've seen it shown part of it in one movie, uh, which is one of the things on, on um, it's a cracking film. Uh, and it's to do with uh, Bonaparte at Longwood House on St. Helena. And when it starts, it starts with his body coming back into France. And what happened when they brought the body back, they announced that Napoleon's body, the British have allowed it to be removed from St. Helena and it's going to come to France and then to Paris and it'll be buried at the, uh, which is Les, uh, Les Invalides. Now, none of this was requested, but what happened was hundreds of old veterans 
started turning up in Paris in their uniforms. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Started turning up in their uniforms. You're talking in the 1840s. Yeah. 20 years after the war, there's this phenomena of the, the local officials are going, oh, hang on a minute, I've got all these old guard grenadiers turning up off a railway train. Yeah. Wearing their uniforms. And they're saying, we've got a load of caraziers turning up. We've got cavalry lads turning up. And what they did was they set up an encampment in Paris of all these old veterans in their uniforms from the Napoleonic Wars saying, we're here to guard him. We followed him everywhere and we're following him there on his journey. And they led the darn parade. They said, that's it, we're here. We're accompanying the body. That, that is so... You know, it's like Wellington sort of dying and, and all these old lads turn up who were actually at that time are probably beggars on the streets of London. Yeah. And saying we're gonna these are lads who turn up travelled across France still with their uniforms. They got back after Waterloo, they got back in 1814, the uniform was put away, put in a trunk, you know, for the day. And there's one film which shows it, and when the, the, the movie starts, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's not Monsieur Napoleon, it's one of the other films. Uh, with um I can't the guys at the actor is in it actually, uh, but you see just the face of an old grenadier, and as the film, the camera pans out because it was in the winter. He's got snow on his uh, on you know like a frost on his face, and it pans out, and there's all these old Imperial Guard grenadiers there, all these old veterans with their medals up. Look, I said to Nettie, I said this is the bit where they're in the park, <laughs> and it was so bad. Some of them were being found dead in their uniforms when it frozen overnight. Good God. And they stayed there and said, we are, we are going to accompany the emperor to his final resting place. So you've had this history in France of um, yeah, conscription, a proud military history. We go to uh, Saint-Emile uh, and the barracks. I put it on Twitter recently. I think you, you, you may have liked the one. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I can't recall it, yeah. Those barracks are covered in memorials. There's one to a regiment dead opposite on the other side uh, in a housing estate and I saw I'm going to get a photo of that and I wandered down to look at it and the regiment was founded in 1650 and it was disbanded in 1992 and there's the memorial sitting in, in this housing estate all nice and clean still looked after yeah the, the, the French have got a very proud military history. A lot of it we gloss over, you know, a lot of the victories, you know, because it doesn't really concern us. We, one of the things, so why do you collect French stuff? They'll, they'll, they'll surrender, they run away. And you go, well, have you heard of this? Have you heard of Fontenoy? Yeah. The, 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 again, that's misconception, isn't it? It, it, it? It's almost echoes, and it's probably sort of about a good point to, to sort of leave this on. It, it echoes the, the, the whole narrative that we have around the Italians in the Second World War, you know, how they ran away, which was purely propaganda because they didn't, you know, the, you know, if yeah, you look absolutely. at all, the, the, the North Africans were abandoned, uh, sorry, the, yeah. the, the Italians were abandoned by Rommel at the end of Alamein, and they fought like absolute lions, you know, you, you look at the, the professionalism of the Italian army, their gunnery, much like the French artillery, um, their gunnery was, was phenomenal. Um, the discipline was very good, and again, I, I think I think it was. It, 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 you know, you don't know where this comes from, but the, the French 
the thing that let them down in 1940 was that they had invented, they they did they had the technology but just not enough of it and they hadn't really and and, and they and actually you know what they they did exactly the same as we did let's put our cards on the table they had some very good books some very good tacticians yeah. um but they didn't listen to them you know the, those at the top didn't listen to them uh, we did exactly the same but the difference was we got out five you know by Lapan um yeah. Don't 18 miles, that's what saved us in 1940. Yeah. 18 miles to water. My granddad always used to say that. He said, if it weren't for that 18 miles <clears> of <throat> water, you know. um, I mean, you're absolutely right. When you look at, you know, our, our, uh, we look at the Italians in World War II, look at the Italian Navy and the MAS lads yeah. taking those motorboats into Malta Harbour or into Gibraltar. Um, Paul Kemp, the naval historian, when I chat with him, he says when the uh, the Italian Navy uncovered its um, its minefields to the to the to the Royal Navy, he said we went Jesus Christ, these are vicious as anything, way beyond what we could do. Now the Italian, and then of course all those Italian Navy lads are serving as you know the, the MAS lads are serving as frogmen in, uh, alongside us, and then against the Germans. Yeah, yeah, terribly heroic lads. Um, as you say, with, you know, with, with France, 1940. To finish on, people ask me again and again and again, Gary, what went wrong in 1940? Now, I say it's a very famous joke from the 30s. Uh, and it used to go around the clubs. Uh, and it used to be, if you put three Englishmen on an island, they will form a club. If you put three Germans on a desert island, they will form an army. If you put three Frenchmen on a Desert Island, they will form four political parties. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's probably yeah. you know, a broad brushstroke, that. But when you look at France in the 1930s, uh, you can see huge problems. Their army, as you say, uh, they had the, best, the two best tanks in, in country in 1940. They had some excellent aircraft. They had some excellent troops. Um, it just all went terribly, terribly wrong. Um, I'll always recommend people read uh, uh, Horn's book, Paris 1870, then move on to uh, The Price of Glory, then move on to Toulouse Battle, and then read his book on Algiers, which he does as well. It's almost like you've done a degree then in French military history of 100 years. Um, and where it all goes, you know, it, it all went terribly wrong in, in the 50s as well. Uh, yeah. With Jean it goes wrong with Algiers. You get... Um, uh, you know, Leclerc is sent off to uh, uh, to Algeria by, by De Gaulle. You know, he, he could have made a good run for the presidency, Leclerc, I think. Well, he should have done. And uh, Leclerc, De Gaulle wants him out of the way. And his plane crashes uh, when he's coming back to Paris to tell De Gaulle that oh, I think this is all going to go wrong. Uh, very, very wrong. Um, look at how it goes wrong for the, for the French in, um, in Dien Bien Phu. There's a very good book called My War in Algiers. Another one on Dien Bien Phu uh, was Street of, I think it's either Street of No Shame. If you ever watch We Were Soldiers, yes. um, a book that he's reading at the start, yeah. an American reporter, it's an excellent book. He's done a couple of books on the French in, um, uh, on, on the French in Indochina, and he really got it. I'm sure it's The House on the Street of Shame, or it's, it's the one that, uh, he's reading, you see Al Moore reading at the start, and he mentions it in his book as well. Excellent book on the French in Indochina. Uh, 
as I say, we've been, it's been a great after. Uh, but I, I will finish on this this anecdotal story. There's a very good book by a um, an American who, who, who serves in Algiers, and he's in New York. He's a young lad, and his father's American who was killed in the World War Two, and his mum's an American socialite, and his father was a baron. Father was a French pilot, and uh, <clears throat> the war in Algiers is is on, turning hot. And he's from this kid. He's a kid from the Hamptons. And the French side of the family are going, you're going to have to serve in the army. And he goes, no, I ain't. I'm a kid from America. <laughs> and they go, well, sorry. You know, it's like you've got relatives who go back to the Seven Years' War who fought for France. You, you've got to join up. And he goes, no, I ain't. You're having a laugh. Uh, sorry, you've got to go and join. So he, he thinks about what he's going to do, and his mother says, well, it's really up to you, but look what the family is saying. And he's working at the time. He's at college, but he's got a job, a temporary job, working for a local newspaper. And his editor says, look, if you go, I'll pay you to send me stories. So go on, go do what you want to do. And off he says, we went and joined. So got me papers, travels to Paris. I'm here. I'm the class of whatever. 57. So I says, fine, excellent. So he starts his basic training. And there's uh, another lad comes up to him and says, uh, look, I don't know where that is, his dog's off. Uh, and he, says, well, he says, we've done, done it, we're doing our training. He said, I'll just work out. He said, looking at the, uh, looking at the way the French army works. And he says, what do you mean? He says, look, we're not stupid. He says, all this lot, all these working class kids from Lons and wherever and, and stuff like that. He says, we're way above this lot. So he says, yeah. He says, well, this is what we're going to do. We can apply to do the corporal's course. And if we come out in the top 10%, we can apply to do the sergeant's course. And he went, yeah. He said, if we come out in the top 10% on the sergeant's course, we can apply for a commission. And he went, so how does that help us? He says, well, it takes three months to do the corporal's course, three months to do the sergeant's course. He said, by the time we're finished, we'll go home. And we won't be going in. Oh, brilliant. He says, brilliant. What a wheeze. We'll do that. So he says, right, off we go. So they went on the corporal's course. Sir, can I do the corporal's course? Yes, you can. And he does the corporal's course. And they come out in the top five. These are, you know, college kids. So, can we go on the sergeant's course? Yes, you can go on the sergeant's course. And I go on the sergeant's I come out in the top 5%. Can I do their commission? Yes, you can. So, he says, we went off to San Sia, <clears throat> where we did, I think it was about nine months or whatever, as an officer's course to come out as a junior officer. And he comes out, I think, about halfway down. And he said, what happened was, He's finished the course before the presentation and he gets called in to one of the senior officers at San Sia. And he says, uh, I knew your father. I know your family. And he said, I think it's fantastic what you've done. Said, Thank you very much, sir. Uh, Mon General. And he said, yeah. He said, but uh, you've dropped a ball here. You know that, don't you? He says, because I know what your game plan is. And he went, what's that? And he says, well, you did a bit of training. You then done the corporal's course. It took you. You then done. He said, "You think you've only got three months of your service left, don't you?" And he went, "Yep." And he went, "No, you still got two years." 
Ah, brilliant. <laughs> nope. He says, you've got two years. I said, I can't have, but I've done like 18 months. And he went, so what? Shouldn't have done the courses in. Said, you'd have been getting ready to go. <laughs> So he said, oh, okay, all right, okay. He said, all right. And he said, look, he said, I've known knew your father. I know you, know where you're coming from. And he said, I'll talk to you afterwards. Because now you know, they've got this big presentation, a big dinner. And what used to happen was uh, a big general had come down and do the presentation of all the cadets. Now, similar to Sanders, mm. the top ones can choose what regiment they want to go to. Yeah. So... They had the big dinner at Sancia, the French general sitting at the head of the table, and they're calling out the names of the people that are the top cadet that year, and they go down as a league table. And they get to choose where they want to go. So the first lad comes up. You're the one who's won the sword, the Sancia, or whatever. What unit do you want to go to? Republican guards, sir. Guard Republic. Okay, off you go. Second one comes up. Where do you want to go? You know, you can choose what regiment. If uh, I want to go to Guard Republic. So the top ones are saying they want to go into the Republican Guard. And then the general starts losing his rag at this moment. The reason being is the Guard Republic do not serve outside Paris. <laughs> so apparently the general then stands up, <laughs> throws a complete fit, and says, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen the French army do. You are France's finest. We're fighting a war in Algiers, and you lot want to stay in Paris. And he turns around and storms out. <laughs> turns around and storms out. So the guy says, well, I'm sitting here and thinking, this is a bit embarrassing, this. So um, he said, it comes to my turn. Where do you want to go? And he said, I apply to go to the colonial infantry that were at that point in the Sahara. So he said, he said, off I go. And um, he said, the guy, the guy who's the colonel of the regiment knew my father very well. And he said, I had an interview with him. And he said, um, you, you don't want to be here, do you? And he went, well, no, not really. And he said, so why did you say you wanted like colonial infantry? He said, well, I thought I'd better do something that was a little bit that may look that it was okay. He said, yeah, he said, okay. He said, but you, I can't send you out because you're not, you're not the kind of fighting guy, are you? He went, not really. He said, what I'm going to do, he said, I'm going to put you in charge of motor transport. He went, okay. He says, I can do that. He says, now, we're a, we're, we're a colonial unit. Yes, sir. And he said, we, we have lads from all over France. And he said, from the Empire. I said, yes, sir. And he said, now, being in charge of the motor transport bit, you have to do one thing every Tuesday. And he went, okay, what's that? And he said, well, part of the regulations they've got and benefits is... They visit the local brothel once a month. And he says, we drive in on a convoy with the lads whose turn it is to go, and you lead the convoy every week. He went, you're joking. And he went, no. He says, you've got like 20 guys, so you drive into the town, they'll unload and do whatever they want to do. And he says, and then you pick them up and drive back. He says, all right, I can do that. So he's in charge of motor transport, comes to the first Tuesday afternoon, Written down French regulations, Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning at nine o'clock, they drive out the French gate with the trumpets blowing, officer dressed in all his finery in the lead vehicle at the front, standing to attention. And he said, as I came out, 
He said, I could feel the bullets whistling over my head from the locals taking pot shots at the convoy. <laughs> and he says, we got to the town. I like, he did it a couple of times. I got back and he, the, the, he said, the officer in charge, I said, how are you going? He said, where's why? He said, one thing, can I change a couple of things? He went, what's that? He said, do we have to leave at nine o'clock on the dot every morning? And B, do I have to be in the front Jeep standing up in my best officer's uniform saluting? And he went, yeah, okay, you can change that. So I did that for a while. And um, eventually what happened is the French Secret Service get in touch with him to write a pro-French newspaper, like a Black Ops thing, for them in Algiers. But it's very good on the French as an outsider from within side seeing the state of the French army in the 1950s in Algiers. And it's called My War in Algeria, written by an American lad. Incredibly funny book. Um, he goes on to write for some of the great newspapers in America. But My War in Algiers. And the other book, of course, the one that Hal, Hal Moore reads prior to him going to Vietnam, which is, uh, I think, The Street of No Shame, or The House on the Street of No Shame. But it's the Hal Moore one that he reads is superb for the French in um, in Indochina. He did a couple that all very, okay. very, very good. Right, well, Gary, I'll lock it on the. I think it's time to yes to to, to wrap up. Um, look, thank you so much for all your time today. Um, greatly appreciated. Uh, and listeners, I'm, I'm sure we'll have Gary back a, a, again. Um, talk about stuff and i've got an idea formulating in my mind um gary once again and, and thanks to Nettie for letting you take over the kitchen table i mean I'm, yeah i mean it's, uh, it's it, i mean we, i did bring some medals down so next time if you want to put illustrations on that sort of thing and go through some of the individual ones of the services that we've spoken about um but I mean, I'll finish up with, 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 with say to people, it's a great thing to dive into. There's still some real bargains out there to, to have. Um, there really is. Um, you know, to come over to France to visit the Braconts when they're on during the summer, you know, to hunt round. I recommend the Amion one. I recommend the one at Montreuil. Uh, there's one at Etarfalls as well. Uh, it's a superb one once a year. They're very, very, very good. And I'm amazed at what turns up. That's the thing. You never know what's going to turn up at these Bracons. You really, really don't. Uh, for people getting into, into the collecting field of it. So you can add it with a weekend in France. You can do a little battlefield tour on a Saturday. They're all mainly held on a Sunday or on French bank holidays. Um, and they are superb. They really oh, are. Brilliant stuff. Right then, chap. I'm going to press stop. And um... Okay, Ben. And we'll, we'll say goodbye properly after I press stop. Okay, many thanks. And thanks once again for listening to uh, this episode of Paint and Page with Gary from Calais.